y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Grit Per 60 podcast. It's almost over edition. My name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC and I am joined from Utah. Hey everyone. I'm Brendan, also known as TCJ. How are you? I'm doing pretty, pretty good. Uh, we just watched a very exciting game seven between the Lightning and the Islanders. I say just, it happened a couple of nights ago. But it was still very exciting, and we have a Stanley Cup final on our ha- on our hands. Jeez, you doing all right? Mm. Yeah, I didn't take a sip of water after that one. But yeah, we've got a Stanley Cup final on our hands. Yeah, I mean, we totally saw Montreal Tampa coming, or at least like half of it. <laughs> we predicted about <laughs> half. Act in all honesty, I have completely forgotten and burned and thrown away my brackets. Well, yeah, both of ours died when I, Carolina I, I got, and, Col- and Colorado were uh, eliminated in the second round. So I got, I got about half of my bracket eliminated in the first round and the other half in the second round. And just, you know, I, you know what I didn't do? I didn't take into account um, playoff refereeing. I just picked the best teams. I picked the teams that I thought had more skill and talent i did not take into account game management and the fact that you could uh you know slash someone in the face and not have any sort of penalty for that yeah that was a rough night for Corey perry there wasn't it i should have known better this is this is not my first nhl playoffs i know how the refereeing goes it seemed extra like don't call anything nonsense um, this season, but I honestly don't want to get into that debate other than the fact that I just brought it up, but um, yes, we got a Stanley cup final coming up. Did you, how much of that Western conference, I say Western conference series, uh, Vegas and Montreal series. Did you see probably more than you because time's probably more than that's why I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried my best to watch as much as possible. Um, Same, but it was not on like, when I could be awake. I was afraid at first that like Montreal was just going to roll over and die, especially after game one. So I was like, whatever. Um, but yeah, after that, when it started seeming like Montreal actually can give them a fight, and I was that's when I was like, okay, well, I got I to gotta watch now. And I uh, was not disappointed, we'll go with. Yeah. What did you think of the... Uh, decision to bench Fleury. I mean, it didn't really matter because Vegas. I mean, when you're when you're scoring like two goals a game in regulation, that seems generous. It really doesn't matter, you know, who's in goal. Like, yeah, they seemed very frustrated in a way that I don't know. I don't know if we've seen this Vegas team that like offensively incapable. Like Mark Stone did not seem to be like a factor. They couldn't get any offensive pressure. And well, that... oh, sorry, keep going. No, that was the end of my thought. I was going to keep going, but well, my thought was not only was Mark Stone like not a factor, he was also like actively bad, and that's mind blowing to me because I mean. Mark Stone to me is one of the best players in the league. 
And mm. like, if you're looking for a guy who can do it all in both ends, like Mark Stone is your guy, right? Yeah. And, and up until this point, one maybe the best player in the playoffs. I mean, I guess aside from Braden Point. Yeah, I mean, Mark Stone was had the second lowest Corsi four percentage on Vegas. That blew Gee. my mind. I, I mean, is that is that just Philip Deno? Oh, and also he was by far the worst player for Vegas by expected goals for percentage. He had a 33.5% expected goals for percentage. That doesn't happen with Mark Stone. Granted, Philip Deneau does not get enough credit because... No, he does not. I mean, even like heading into the series, like Philip Deneau is like one of the best like defensive forwards in hockey. Like I fully expected... Pierre to go on a tangent about how like dudes like Philip Dano are like underrated by analytics or whatever. How like you can't measure Philip Dano's like heart and skill, right? Like except we can, right? Like Pierre has those guys that he riffs on, or you know, because he thinks that like those are the players, the hockey men, like, but not the not the stats nerds, right? The stats nerds also like Philip Dano. Right, yeah, it was like the same thing in the first round with uh, with the Penguins when he was talking about how like the third line of like Tanev and like Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston and Reese are like, oh, you can't measure their heart and, and, and determination or whatever and grit. Like, but those guys are all very much like defensive stats people. Like, those are the people the nerds like for their defense. I don't know. I just thought that was funny, but and can, yeah. I, can I just real quick? I would say like most of the players that make it to the NHL, you have to have like like there are there's there's nobody in this league that's mailing it in at this point. Like I don't know if heart is necessarily the thing that separates elite players from the really because they're all elite athletes that made it to the NHL. They must have some level of heart, and I feel like that's hard to separate one from the other at that point. Yeah, that really bothers me um, when people, like after their team loses, they're like, oh, the other team just wanted it more. And I'm like, man, if you're a professional hockey player right now um, and you're in the playoffs and like you've gone this far and you don't want to win it all, like what are you doing exactly? Like I don't. Right, like I don't think the Sharks never broke through because like Joe Thorne didn't want it enough or the Leafs haven't broken through because Austin Matthews right. doesn't want it enough or the Capitals before they finally did. Like it wasn't because Alex Ovechkin didn't want it enough. Yeah, could you could you imagine saying that and then because at the end of the season, we're going to get all these injury reports that such and such is going to go into surgery and it's like half of the team is going into surgery at the end of the the playoffs and they played through it. And you, you're going, oh, yeah, they didn't want it enough. Yeah, like this dude's got a fractured ankle and he's playing through it. But, yeah, he didn't he didn't want it at all. Yeah, Ivan Provorov played through, like, his shoulder was not attached to his body. <laughs> it was falling yeah. off. So let's let's delve into these matchups a little more. Do you want to talk about, um, I mean, I guess we started talking about Vegas. So we, we can start talking. We can continue talking about that 
does Pete DeBoer have a have a playoff problem? I mean, you would know better than <laughs> I would. I, I'm just using this as an excuse to talk about this because I've been thinking. Go for it. This idea about like Pete DeBoer in the playoffs has been living in my mind like rent free ever since like Vegas <laughs> lost Game Five, right? Like, oh man, I. I mean, in the like the power play dropped off. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Like, Sharks fans hated Steve Spot when he was here, and so to see Vegas fans be like, "Oh, you gotta fire Steve Spot," it's it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I just, <laughs> I mean, I think a mix of it is both Vegas' power play wasn't very good, but also like they just didn't finish at all. I mean, that's what happens when you score zero goals. But also, <laughs> like. Pete DeVore has a game six problem. I don't know if you saw my tweet, uh, but ever since he was coach of the devils, like, and they, and they lost in the Stanley cup finals, they have lost in like every single series in six games, like um, 2016 with the sharks, the sharks are down three, one in the Stanley cup finals. They win game five, they lose game six. Uh, and then the next year they lose in six to the it. Oilers. And then the next year they lose, um and six to vegas right like pretty much every year pretty much much every year except for uh 2020 the sharks and i guess 2016 the sharks would like or DeBoer's teams would pretty much every time like tie the series at four or after game four two games apiece lose game five and then drop game six pretty much every time straight from the b feral 727 Twitter account, so at bfarrell727. Uh, Peter DeBoer's playoff history in 2012, losing Stanley Cup final in six games in 2016, losing Stanley Cup final in six games in 2017, losing the first round in six games in 2018, losing the second round in six games in 2019, losing the Western Conference final in six games in 2020, losing Western Conference final in five games in 2021, losing conference final in six games. Yeah, also that conference finals record is pretty rough at this point. But also, like, it, as soon as they lost game five, I was like, oh, this series is over because they're never winning game six. <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. Some, it's just one of those things. I, I just... Does, do you, okay, so from your time watching Peter DeBoer's teams, do you think that the team plays differently in the playoffs? I mean, I guess so in the sense that like every team plays a little different in the playoffs, you know, like, you know, you'll come in and you'll play defensively tight or whatever, and they won't call anything. And as soon as you take a lead, you just like, don't do anything offensively. Right. Right. But I think the crazy thing to me was that it felt like Vegas was always chasing Montreal for those last like five games. And I just, I don't know, man. It was, I guess, kind of similar to like, I guess every time the Sharks get eliminated in the playoffs uh, with with Peter DeBoer in 2016. I'm thinking really like 2016, 2018, 2019, where like offensively they just could not solve the other team. Because, um, I mean, it's not like, okay, Yes, Carey Price is playing out of his mind, mm-hmm. but also 
the Canadians are doing a really good job in the neutral zone in the defensive zone. Like there's just nowhere to go. And <laughs> it always seemed to me like Vegas really struggled to gain the zone, whether it was at five on five or on the power play. They struggled to gain the zone. They struggled to keep the puck in the offensive zone for sustained periods of time like they could against Colorado. Um, and, and the other thing was, and I guess this is maybe the similarity between Vegas and San Jose, was that a lot of the offense was coming from the blue line for Vegas. You know, and all of a sudden, like, you know, sometimes those, when you start relying on point shots, you know, and just trying to get pucks to the net, and that's all you can create. Like you're not going to score a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to win a lot of games. You're not, you're... you're not taking shots from dangerous areas. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the problem for Vegas is that their top line center is Chandler Stevenson. I don't know. Uh, it's just very odd to me. That this is the second year in a row where he was out for a lot of that series. Wasn't he? Yeah. For a bit. Um, but it seems very odd to me this is the second year in a row that they have lost to um on paper a worse team i think is a very evenly played series but i mean on paper vegas is definitely the better team so who are they trading away to get jack eichel see that's what i've been saying this whole time and I think the only way it's really possible is if they like cap dump like Pacioretty and Alex Tuck. I, I really think that's like the only way it's possible. Um, I just, but again, I thought last summer, I was like, man, there's no way like Vegas signs Alex Petrangelo, right? Like, I don't see how you make that happen with the cap. And then they just go out and trade Nate Schmidt and Paul Stastny mm-hmm. and they, they get it done. I just, I don't know. So we'll we'll talk about the um, we'll give the the Canadians their due when we talk about the uh, the upcoming series here in just a second. But you know what my favorite thing about this series, and then we'll we can move on to the other series. The um, if you want to call it the Eastern Conference Finals, um, Nick Suzuki eliminating the team that drafted him. I think it's hilarious. He gets drafted by the Golden Knights. They trade him away. He starts playing well for the Canadiens, and they eliminate the Golden Knights. Hilarious. Yeah, I mean, oh no, Vegas finally made a bad trade. And even then, like, as far as bad trades go, like, I don't think this one is especially terrible. Or like I don't even remember who got back. It, um, that was, was Pacioretty deal. Pacioretty's been good for them. Yeah, and like Pacioretty's been a solid winger for them. Like, if that's a bad trade for Vegas, like, listen, the thing that bothers me so much about Vegas is that say what you want about their finishing the playoffs. Well, when it comes to strictly like personnel moves, the amount of luck this team has had, like, that's maybe like the one bad trade they made. And I guess maybe the Tatar deal one was was bad too, I guess. But like pretty much everything else that they have done has worked out super well. They made a bunch of really good trades. They've run superstar talent. They signed people to ridiculously cheap contracts. 
don't know. You're not gonna get a lot of sympathy for me on that. But it is very oh, no, funny. I'm not looking for sympathy. I just I found it entertaining. I mean, Nick Suzuki. You know, I guess maybe uh, uh, you know Phil Dano is is in that uh, conversation too. But as far as non carry Price MVPs go, um, it's definitely Cole those Caulfield. two. Cole Caulfield was good. I just I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would say he was like MVP. That was okay. the one thing that was kind of like bothering me watching that series. That was that like after like the eighth breakaway Vegas gave up. I'm just like can you stop? <laughs> Cause it just seemed like, cause I think like Montreal is probably shooting like 50% on breakaways. It was, it, it was crazy to me how many rush chances Montreal could create. Do you have anything else on this series? Other than it's very funny watching Vegas get eliminated from the playoffs every year. And I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts because I'm I'm always afraid that like especially this year I'm afraid like this year they're gonna go out and acquire Jack Eichel and I'll be like well the world's ending now, so. Okay, on the other side of the bracket we had the New York Islanders and the Lightning and the Lightning finally won it in Game Seven. Man, there were there were several moments in this series where I thought all right, it's over, the Lightning are moved on, and then the Islanders just kept coming until finally in Game 7, the Lightning finally closed the door. Like, when the Lightning blew them out in Game 6 or whatever, I didn't think that was it because I kind of knew the Islanders were going to come out in the next game and play well, but then in Game 6, or yeah, Game 6, wait, Lightning blew them out in Game 5, Islanders came out in Game 6 at Lightning, Got off to a two nothing lead, or well, really a one nothing lead. Killed a penalty and then immediately scored a goal after that penalty. And I thought, that's it. That's the moment that the the Islanders are dead. Right? It's it's a two nothing game. You, you missed on your power play, and the other team just scored. That's it. And then they come back and win game six. Setting up for game seven, you know, and then the lightning score on the penalty kill. And that is finally the thing that does it. They score on the penalty kill and the Islanders do keep pressuring, but I never in game seven, I was never really all that frightened that the Islanders were going to score. It looked like the lightning were in control of that game. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would definitely agree. I will say that it was kind of funny watching the end of that game where, you know, the Islanders have pulled their goalie and I felt like the lightning both, I think they probably, I mean, Barkley Goodrow probably shaves off a good 30 seconds to a minute, just like pinning the puck up against the boards, but also like the lightning had control of the puck for like, you know, another good 30 seconds after that. And it's an empty net. And I was like, I've never seen a team make like, an empty net goal look harder <laughs> <laughs> they're not even trying to score they're just wasting time you've got an empty net and nobody's shooting at it yeah it was uh i mean really i mean i think the islanders at that point like i think they enter the zone with like 30 seconds to go after that i mean and yeah it was uh, a very very good job by tampa to limit to the limit the islanders to pretty much nothing yeah, and I would I 
I hate to do this because I don't like giving the Islanders credit, but I have to give the Islanders a, a little bit of credit. And I, I'm starting to understand why they built the team, their team the way they did. Because I, I think they realized as much as everyone else did that the regular season does not matter. As long as you make the playoffs, the regular season does not matter. Um, and so they built their team for playoff hockey. And I know that sounds cliche, but if the referees aren't going to call you for slashing ever or cross-checking ever go get the guys that can do that well and set your team up because the other team's skilled players don't matter at that point because you can do whatever you want and you're not going to get a penalty for it so guys like uh matt martin cal clutterbuck or uh leo komarov right these guys built for this type of game um but also their coach and structure that allows them to, to do that and then counterattack really quickly. So I think all of that really played into their cup run, despite or the cup run, their playoff run, despite the fact that they don't have the star power that the Lightning do, and they gave them quite a run for their money. Um, or the star power that even like the... Um, geez, who else did they beat on the way? They beat the Penguins, right? lot more star well, power. Well, the Penguins kind of beat themselves on that one. But... That's true. Um, now I'm drawing a blank. Who else did they play on their way in? Boston. Boston. Ton of high-end talent there. Um, you know, and they went on this really cool run. Um, that said, I, I hate watching games that they're involved in because they play so, like, defensively. But I have to at least give them credit for that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I saw people call Montreal boring, and I kind of disagree. Um, but then I, I also call New York boring, and I think that's just because I just don't like the Islanders. <laughs> it's just... well, but they, they make you break them down, and nobody has the patience to, to do that on the fastest sport in the world. Nobody has the, the patience to just, like, oh, we're going to pass the puck around until we get a good opportunity no they're gonna pass it right into the defenseman's shin because they're gonna try to force something because it's the fastest game on the fucking planet yeah but i don't know i almost wonder if there's maybe some sort of i I wonder if the islanders have hit the ceiling with with this team right i don't know i i just feel like probably this approach of like we don't have any star power, which I don't feel like is is true considering that they have Mar- Matthew Barzal on their team. Um, but I don't know. It's very interesting to me that the Islanders have gone on unexpectedly deep runs like the last three years. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was I was thinking about that lately. Can I can I posit a um... I make a wild claim that makes no sense, but you and I will understand. Sure. The New York Islanders are the most CONCACAF team in the NHL. That actually makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) If you follow soccer, this will make sense. But I think, I think the overlap between people who follow soccer and follow hockey are basically us and that's it. I mean, are, are, um, are you saying that, like, the, the Lightning were, like, the U.S. men's team walking into, like, the National Stadium of El Salvador? Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. And and Nassau Stadium is also the most or Nassau Coliseum is also the most CONCACAF stadium in the league, I think. Yeah, that's that's what I that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> as soon as and you then, said that. And just... then when they won their game six, what did they do? <laughs> they yeah. hurled beer. This is the most CONCACAF thing that I can think of. And El Salvador doesn't give a shit about your stars. They're going to slide tackle right through those ankles. Yeah, well, let's go with uh, like a maybe a better CONCACAF team, like a Costa Rica. Honduras. Yeah, you know, like like a team that might, you know, snatch a few Costa points off. Skilled. Yeah, I'm just saying like a team that will take some points off the U.S. or, or Mexico. Yeah, they don't give a shit about Clinton Dempsey. Do you want to move on to the finals? Um, yeah, I, I guess one more thing, just thinking back on this series, I think game seven, uh, this has probably been said by a lot of people, so maybe I, we don't need to talk about it, but I think game seven proved that not only are the lightning, the most talented team in the league, but they can also, they can bust out the grit when they need to, because they, they out grit the Islanders in that third period. And you cannot convince me otherwise. Well, yeah, I mean, they had Game 7 champion Barclay Goodrow on their side. like, And perennial Cup, um, perennial Stanley Cup appearance player Pat Maroon. Yeah. Listen, Chubby people, but effective. Listen, people will say that like Justin Williams or uh, Brian Rust is Mr. Game 7. In my heart, Barclay Goodrow will always be Mr. Game 7. <laughs> Mr. Game 7. <laughs> he's worth the first round draft pick how bad could he be yeah exactly okay tampa montreal how are you feeling about that uh i really i think this is an interesting series i don't want to do we want to say predictions for the end um why don't we do it first so that we know where each other's at tampa and six that's also what I'm feeling. Dang it. <laughs> hey, great minds think alike. Well, brothers think alike. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's true. It's, it's like the same thing with the Islanders to me, where like this year, I think I had at least like a decent read on the Islanders, but like previous years, I'm just always wrong about the Islanders. Um, or like 2018, where I was consistently wrong about the Capitals, right? So I don't want to be the guy that continues to bet against Montreal here. But man, like it's really hard <laughs> to argue with Tampa at this point. I mean, as as someone who continues to bet against the Islanders, I totally understand that point of view. Right? Like it's the whole like Montreal thing with like they can't keep getting away with it, right? <laughs> right? Like there's no way that you know Tampa is going to have like three points from their entire forward uh, staff. Right. Right. I, I just, I can't, I can't see Tampa scoring like averaging less than two goals a game. Like I don't know what the Vegas average goal per game was in that series, but I would imagine it was right around there. Right. Do does Montreal have the firepower to keep up with Tampa? 
yeah see like that would be that would be the thing um for me is that first off um it looks to me like uh vegas scored 13 goals in six games so it's like two goals a game a little bit over two yeah yeah but yeah you know that was that was the thing i was thinking of and yeah like sure you can throw phil dano against uh you know mark stone but like you throw him out there against Braden point and then like tampa's just gonna come back at you with like sorelli and stamkos yeah yeah and yanni gord who's also good andre palat like so many so many players you can't I, I, stop all the lines what's katkinemi well katkinemi is really good and so is josh anderson's decent but What is what is what is Corey Perry gonna do against Andre Palat? I've liked Corey Perry's game so far in the playoffs. Actually, I as far as like gritty veteran guys go, like Corey Perry's pretty good at this point. I feel. I talk. Um, uh, I mentioned uh, Pat Maroon earlier. As far as players to get, if you want to go on into a run. Corey Perry apparently is also the other guy to do to to go and get because he was on the stars last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't remind me of that of that stars team right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's that it was last year. Don't I know, use. I know. But yeah, I. I on one hand, I'm like, man, I just don't know how Montreal keeps up with all of all of you know Tampa Bay star power and depth. I mean, I was just like, man, I was thinking about that last round and in the first round. <laughs> okay, um, do you want Carey Price or Vasilevsky? I think I will. I think I'll take Vasilevsky. Just because I feel like I have more of a sample size this year of him being good. Like Andre Basilevsky was elite in the regular season and in the playoffs. Yeah. Meanwhile, Carey Price has just caught fire in the playoffs. I think that's what I would want to go with. Plus, Andre Basilevsky has been here before. So clearly that means he's a better player. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the reasons the Lightning even finished what did they finish second or third they finished second in their division right uh they finished they finished third because they started third they started on the road well there were parts of that season where they could have struggled mightily because the defense wasn't doing a whole lot um and he really stepped up big for them um so i'm super impressed with vasilevsky (laughs) carrie price also definitely a reason that the Canadians have been as successful as they have, at least in this playoff run, for sure. Um, so I just, I, I look at that battle and there's, you know, there, there's that. So if, I don't know what they're the like saves above replacement are, but like their uh, save percentage and wins and that sort of thing. Pretty similar so far. Yeah, so first off, I will say that, like, I feel like nobody has, like, 
turn hockey men's brains into just like total brain worms more than uh carry price like i saw a poll on twitter today of like who would you rather have carry price or henrik lundquist and like the poll was like two-thirds in favor of carry price and i'm like no <laughs> like heading into this year i thought carry price was like the most overrated goalie in the league and prior to this year's playoff run i felt very good about that um that being said like basilevsky has still been the better goaltender in the playoffs this year uh, i'm looking at evolving wilds uh or evolving hockey's uh goals saved above expected for this year's playoffs and basilevsky is sitting on top at 14 and a half roughly uh goal saved above expected while carrie price is at 902 Connor Hellebuck is at 887, by the way, and he hasn't played since the second round. <laughs> so that's impressive. So you, you got your you got your pick. Do you want the the Russian, the Canadian, or the American there? I'm going with the Russian here. Um, yeah, I, I think Vasilevsky's the guy. But you know, Carey Price has been really good this year too. So we'll see. Okay. What what are you looking for in this matchup? I guess it's just like that, you know, that tandem of Nick Suzuki and Philip Dano or Philip Dano against, you know, Tampa Bay's two-headed monster of Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. Though, again, there's another guy on that list and it's Braden Point, and I guess that's really the name I should have said the first time. So I'm interested to see yeah. how that turns out. I'm interested to see if Montreal can can smother Tampa in a similar fashion to Vegas. I mean, they've got a pretty impressive blue line. Che Weber, Ben Chirot, Joel Edmondson, Jeff Petrie. Like that's a that's a pretty solid top four. Well, I I, I will disagree on. I mean, they've got Eric Gupps. What? I said I will, I will disagree on half of those names, but I am a big supporter oh. of Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie. You're not a supporter of Sherratt? No. No. Ooh. No. That's spicy. I mean, former Jet, but like, no. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, Montreal's defensive core is pretty good. Um, and like I said, they've done a really good job, you know, in you know, their, their last couple series. Toronto, against Toronto, they weren't very good. They were they were really really lucky to get out of that Toronto series, but uh, since then they've been really good in the defensive zone and they've been really good just you know making the ice feel small. That's what we'll go with. All right, I know I already mentioned that they they haven't been calling too many penalties, and I know that you know five on five hockey is really valuable in general but i am really interested to see what happens when the lightning go on the power play because the lightning have an absurd 37 percent on the power play absurd 37 percent conversion rate on the power play and montreal has um killed 30 straight penalties both numbers are bonkers. Yeah, I was gonna say it seemed Which to me. Which one gives? I was gonna say it seemed to me like Tampa was cruising at like fifty percent in that uh, series against Carolina, 
So, yeah, no, that's going to be the big question is, I mean, with how tight things are at 5 on 5 especially in the playoffs, like special teams are a great way to steal, you know, some goals here and there, whether it's having an ace power play that puts points on the board or having an ace penalty kill that keeps them off, you know? Um, and I guess sort of the saying in, in football kind of applies where if your special teams are special, that's not good. I guess in Tampa's case, it's good, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. If you can't get it done on special teams, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. I mean, I'm thinking if, if the lightning can score like over half a power play goal per game, you know, if every other game in this series, they get a power play goal that sets Montreal behind the eight ball even more than they already were. Yeah, for sure. Like, sorry, I just had a point (laughs) completely left. Yeah. I I think that's, that's the big thing is, you know, when you're a team like Montreal, that's, you know, the underdog here. And if you can keep those sort of like extra goals off the board, like, especially in a series, I feel like it's going to be very much defined by the goaltending, you know, two really good goaltenders this postseason. You know, I mean, special teams might be where these teams find the back of the net just because, you know, there's finally some open ice somewhere. So, Cole Caulfield. (laughs) Tiny goal boy. Tiny goal boy was scratched to start these playoffs. And now... He's, you know, pulling the team with them, not not carrying them because he's got Nick Suzuki right next to him and Tyler Toffoli. Like their second line is Tyler Toffoli and two kids, two youths. Yeah, that was my favorite thing. I was looking through some like Vegas comments after they got eliminated, and one of the like super downvoted comments on their subreddit was like, "We just lost to a bunch of children." And I'm like, that's not quite true. I mean, you got Shea Weber and Carey Price and uh, Corey Perry in there as the elder statesman, but that's just over-the-top bitterness. But yeah, are, are you telling and, me that... And Kakamiemi uh, isn't young either. Are you telling or me that... Isn't old either. Are you telling me that playing the kids works? You know, I might just be telling Paul Maurice that playing the kids works. That should be that should be the thing that you know how like every year we're like okay what are the lessons we can learn from this and instead of like actual things we delve into the like speed versus grit debate where like the default option is grit for some reason but that might what if that is the, the lesson to take away from Montreal is hey stop being cowards and play the kids play your best players. <laughs> A, a bold strategy. Play your best players. Yeah. Revolutionizing I, the game. I'm just throwing that out there. Speaking of playing your best players, uh, the Kraken have hired Dave Haxtell. Now, we don't have to get into that. I was just, I just thought it was fitting because he does not play his best players, or at least he didn't with the Flyers. Chris, Chris Vandevelde played 81 games under Dave Haxtell. 81 with Chris Vandevelde in the lineup. Dave Haxall was fired while 
healthy scratching Oscar Limblom and playing Yuri Laterra. That's uh, that's rough. Healthy scratched Oscar Limbaum immediately fired. Okay, just needed to get that off my chest. Do you have any other observations about this series? No, I feel I feel pretty good. I mean, I think it'll be fun. I mean, it, it's an interesting matchup. I, I and. It was just kind of funny with the, with the conference finals, where I was just like, the fact that even like an Islanders Habs finals was even a possibility, <laughs> and we were we were game seven away from that happening too. Yeah, we were one goal. It was a one nothing game seven too. We were one goal away well, from it. I guess two goals. We were two goals. <laughs> so that's my thing, though, is that. Like I was thinking about it and I was just looking at the, I was thinking about the recent champions, right. Where I was like, man, like those, those penguins teams were stacked. The capitals team was pretty good. Um, you know, that blues team was super deep and, and very good. And obviously last year's lightning team was stacked. And I'm like, you take those like four teams or whatever. And you like compare them with like the, the Islanders, or the, yeah, have. the Islanders or the halves. And I'm just like, one of these teams is not like the others, you know? And that's not to, I mean, I guess it is, but it's like not to like say that those teams are bad. It's just very interesting looking at the way those teams are, uh, you know, sort of composed and comparing them to some of these other, other champions. Yeah. I guess the one thing that I have to say about this series this is maybe just my observation as a Flyers fan. It kind of feels like the 2010 series between the Flyers and the Blackhawks. If the Lightning are the Blackhawks and the Canadians are the Flyers, but just kind of, I don't know if ironic is the word for it because I don't quite understand what is actually ironic and what is just what people say is ironic. Um, but it, it feels funny to me because the Canadians played in the Eastern Conference finals that year and lost to the Flyers on the way. Um, but if in this case, the Lightning are the Blackhawks because they're the favorites and the Canadians are, or the Lightning are the, yeah, the Lightning are the Blackhawks because they're the favorites and the Canadians are the Flyers because they're the underdog. It feels kind of similar to me just because, you know, the Canadians, they're the hot team. The Flyers started out as the seventh seed in that tournament and beat the new, the big, bad New Jersey Devils. Canadians beat the big, bad Toronto Maple Leafs, Right. Uh, they get maybe an ease. Some might say they got an easier road to the finals than other teams might have, whatever. Um, but the Canadian, both the Canadians and the Flyers had some really good players that weren't quite what, you know, they were really, really, really good at the time. Um, but there was another stage that they would get to eventually with experience and time. And maybe they were playing a bit above their talent level. Right, but they're they're a hot team and they're in the finals. I guess the big difference is the, the Canadians have Carey Price and the Flyers did not have Carey Price. They had uh, Michael Layton and and a very young Sergei Bobrovsky that was not not the Sergei Bobrovsky that we know of today. Um, I, thought, I thought Bob was the next year because I think because I, no, I thought he they, he was on the team. Oh, they. Traded him. Well, they trade. They didn't trade. They signed uh, Brzezgalov in the offseason. 
Because I thought that forced, I, I thought that they, forced Bobrovsky out pretty much. I thought they I thought Bobrovsky was. I thought he started in 2011, and they were like, "Hey, for 2010-2011, they're like, hey, that wasn't good." And then they signed Brzezgalov in like 2011. I'm pretty sure I have it correct. He didn't Regardless. sign. With, he didn't sign with the Flyers until May 6 of 2010. No, all right. Regardless, <laughs> regardless, uh, the you know the Lightning are the, the the big bad favorites that are stacked like the the Blackhawks, and I see some similarities here. Maybe I just see similarities between the Lightning or the Canadians and the Flyers, and uh, that's why I'm going uh, Lightning in six because, yeah, that happened. I, I think your comparison's pretty good. Um... And and I think maybe both the Flyers and the KDNs were probably a little better than, you know, their regular season results would suggest. Um, now and, the key here, if they are the same, if we're going with this comparison, Montreal do not trade away Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, <laughs> and don't trade them to the same team. Definitely don't do that. But uh, yeah, no, that was. It's it's an interesting comparison, I I, I think, um, but we'll just have to see how how it plays out. Do you have anything else? Uh, yes, uh, there's an NHL team that is currently paying Dave Haxtall to be their head coach. <sighs> anything else besides that? Hack draft Robert Haig. All right. Well, this is going nowhere. So uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at. Uh, grip for 60 pod you can follow me on twitter at bfarrell 727 you can follow connor on twitter at tc underscore 904 Uh, thank you again for listening and have a good one